What's up, guys? You are on the air and off the books with Beth Ann and Samantha. And today, we invite you to join us for Read or Pass. Will you read it or will you pass it? Pass it as in pass it on. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I like your height. Yes, yes. Thank you. Good intro. Good intro, Samantha. (laughs) Um, yes. So anyway, read or pass. So basically, Beth Ann and I have chosen ten books each, and Beth Ann's going to read her books to me, um, title and description, author, so you guys know like which book to pick up, and I will decide if I will read it or I will toss it kindly into the trash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I tried to choose books that we haven't like mentioned at all on this channel. Yes, all my books I we have not mentioned. Yes, same. So hopefully maybe in here there's something that you'll also find. And if you pick it up and read it, let us know. Because I have not read any of these. so I have not either. I do have a few on my list, but I, we have not talked about any of them. Yes. All right. All right, so I will go first real quick. Um, the first book that I have is called Prom House. Most of mine are, yeah, Beth Ann cringes. Most of mine are YA books, but I thought that she would appreciate the cheesy cover. Look, this uh, is the cheesy cover. Oh, wow. It's a lot. It's like a fork. <laughs> it is like a fork. It's like, like a Wolverine fork. tripped in front yeah. of the camera and like got his claws stuck in. Yeah. So, yes, this is Prom House by Chelsea Mueller. So, here we go. We begin. I was supposed to read the description first, but it's fine. I messed up. It's fine, guys. It happens. <laughs> we're professionals. Um, yeah, we're professionals. <laughs> we get paid for this. Um, okay, so prom weekend at the beach turns deadly in this unputdownable thriller. Didn't have to read that part. That was an author note. Okay, here I go. <laughs> A killer after party. When Kylie walks into the gorgeous beach house, it's a dream come true. She still can't believe she talked her parents into letting her spend the weekend down the shore with her boyfriend, Liam, after prom. Kyle, Liam, and their friends have rented the most amazing party house, and it's all theirs. Prom was awesome, but this is going to be even better. Except there's a little problem. A violent storm hits the beach and the power goes out with no sign that it's coming back anytime soon. Roughing it with candles and camping lanterns isn't the vibe they were going for, but everyone wants to make the most of it until people start disappearing Mm. and turning up dead. Kylie is terrified. Is somebody's prom date a killer? Oh, okay. Now that you read the description, I think I would probably read it. Yeah, it's like like a cheesy 90s book. It reminds me of like a cheesy 90s R.L. Stein. Yes, it actually sounds really good. When you said prom night, I was just like... Prom. Prom prom house. Prom Prom house. Prom house. Who's it by? It is by Chelsea Mueller. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I do think I would read that. That sounds really good. Hashtag reading it. Success. Reading it. Okay, read. Okay, for mine, all right. I'm going to read you the description first. Yeah, because, you know, that's what (laughs) we were supposed to do. All right. The first daughter is for the throne. The second daughter is for the wolf. As the only second daughter born in centuries, Red has one purpose to one purpose to be sacrificed to the wolf in the wood in the hope he'll return the world's captured. Oh, sorry, this is really written weird. Let me start over. <laughs> Part Welcome. two. Welcome. Welcome back. 
As the only second daughter born in centuries, Red has one purpose, to be sacrificed to the wolf in the wood in the hope he'll return the world's captured gods. Red is almost relieved to go, plagued by a dangerous power she can't control. At least she knows that in the Wilderwood, she can't hurt those she loves again. But the legends lie. The wolf is a man, not a monster. Her magic is a calling, not a curse. And if she doesn't learn how to use it, the monsters the gods have become will swallow the Wilderwood and her world whole. This is called For the Wolf by Hannah F. Whitten. I feel like it is going to be like Beauty and the Beast. So I'm going to read it because (laughs) goals. Love story. Bad boy turns good. Yes, I figured. uh, That's my go-to. Yeah, I don't know. Would you read Prom House? Yeah, I would read Prom House. I probably would try this because of, like, the mystery. And it's it's almost like uh, Red Riding Hood type deal. Yeah. It's like Red Riding Hood mixed with Beauty and the Beast for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, my second book is called The Ivies by El- – I said the title again. Go mm. meet Alexa <laughs> Dawn. All right. <clears throat> Everyone knows the Ivies, the most coveted universities in the United States. Far more important are the Ivies. The Ivies at Claflin Academy, that is – Five girls with the same mission. To get into the Ivy League by any means necessary. I would know. I'm one of them. We disrupt class ranks, club leaderships, and academic competitions, among among other things. We improve our own odds by decreasing the fortunes of others. Because hyper-elite competitive college admissions is serious business, and in some cases, it's deadly. Would you read it? I would pass. You would pass? I figured that you would pass on this one. Yeah, this is definitely you. Yeah. Like, you're, like, cup of tea. Yeah. I am not a big, like, do you like Mean Girls? Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's almost like that kind of a thing, but, like, the little guys are going after them to kind of, like, stop them from being what they are. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. I don't like... Makes me want to punch people when I read about stuff like that. Yeah. Stop. Pass. Pass. Okay. Ready? Yep. In horror movies, the final girl is the one who's left standing when the credits roll. The one who fought back, defeated the killer, and avenged her friends. The one who emerges bloody but victorious. But after the sirens fade and the audience moves on, what happens to her? Lynette Tarkington... <laughs> is a real-life final girl who survived a massacre 22 years ago, and it has defined every day of her life since. And she's not alone. For more than a decade, she's been meeting with five other actual final girls and their therapists in a support group for those who survived the unthinkable, putting their lives back together piece by piece. That is until one of the women misses a meeting and Lynette's worst fears are realized. Someone knows about the group and is determined to take their lives apart again piece by piece. But the thing about these final girls is that they each have that they that they have each other now. What the heck? And no matter how bad the odds, how dark the night, how sharp the knife, they will never ever give up. This is called the Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. I think that I would pass. Just because I've I've seen um, the movie The Final Girls. And it gives me that kind of vibe, and I didn't like it. 
Oh, okay. I've never seen it. Are you talking about, like, the one by Riley Sager? Yes. I've never read that one. Yeah. This one's a... I don't know. I think I would read it. I would try it. I, I think, it I, think I would try it, but I, I, would mo- I would more so pass than pick it up. So that one's a pass. All right. Okay, I'm going to read the description this time before I read the title. All right. <clears throat> time has stopped. It's been June 23rd, 2020 for nearly a year, as far as anybody can tell. Frantic adults demand teenagers focus on finding practical solutions to the worldwide crisis. Not everyone is on board, though. Javelin throwing prodigy, prodigy Truda Becker is pretty sure her solution time class won't solve the world's problems. But she does, not ha- she does have a few things that might. Truda lives in a house with a switch that no one ever touches. A switch her father protects every day by nailing it into hundreds of progressively larger boxes. But Truda's got a crowbar. In one way or another, she's going to see what happens when she flips the switch. This is called Switch by A.S. King. Hmm. This is like a sci-fi fantasy sounds like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know either. I've, like, got mixed feelings on this one. There's not a lot in the description. And I, don't I like, want to know, though. Yeah, and that's what makes me want to read it. I think I want to read it a little bit more than pass. Just because mm-hmm. I want to find out, but I don't really like that he's like continuously nailing the switch. It's just this random like floating switch out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I would read it just to know. Read, read. All right, Shiori, the only princess of Kiata, has a secret. Forbidden magic runs through her veins. Normally, she conceals it well, but on the morning of her betrothal ceremony, Shiori loses control. At first, her mistake seems like a stroke of luck, forestalling the wedding she never wanted, but it also catches the attention of uh, Raikama, her stepmother. Raikama has dark magic of her own, and she banishes the young princess, turning her brothers into cranes and warning Shiori that she must speak of it to no one. For with every word that escapes her lips, one of her brothers will die. Penniless, voiceless, and alone, Shiori searches for her brothers and, on her journey, uncovers a conspiracy to overtake the throne, a conspiracy more twisted and deceitful, more cunning and complex than even Raikama's betrayal. Only Shiori can set the kingdom to rights, but to do so, she must place her trust in the very boy she fought so hard not to marry, and she must embrace the magic she's been taught all her life to contain, no matter what it costs her. This is called Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim. I would say pass. I figured you it's too, too like, it's too like action princessy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It reminds me of like, I don't know. I would definitely read this. Yeah. Yeah, I'd read. Okay, Bethany would read. I would pass. Okay. <clears throat> Maddie can't remember a time before she and William lived alone on a mountain together. She must never make him upset. But when Maddie discovers the mutilated body of a fox in the woods. She realizes they're not alone after all. There's something in the woods that wasn't there before. Something that makes strange cries in the night. Something with sharp teeth and claws. When three strangers appear on the mountaintop looking for the creature in the woods, Maddie knows their presence will anger William. Terrible things happen when William is angry. Okay, before you even say the title, I would read this. Yeah, same. Okay. It's called Near the Bone 
by Christina Henry. Oh, yeah, that sounds really yeah. Good. It's like it's like that horror esque kind of thing that I'm like looking for right now. Mm-hmm. That's a little supernatural, a little like basic horror that I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, read. Yeah, I think that her man, William, is like some sort of creature of the night. Oh my gosh, maybe he's a werewolf or something. Yeah. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh, but mine may be really sad if it turns out to be that. We guessed it already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Maybe we just shouldn't guess things. Yeah. yeah we'll what's the fun in that? Yeah. We, obviously, we predict everything because we're that, pure book geniuses. That good. <laughs> Pure book geniuses. Yes. All right. Blythe Connor is determined that she will be the warm, comforting mother to her new baby, Violet, that she herself never had. But in the thick of motherhood's exhausting early days, Blythe becomes convinced that something is wrong with her daughter. She doesn't behave like most children do. Or is it all in Blythe's head? Her husband, Fox. What a weird name for a husband. Who who out there has the name Fox? F-O-X, Fox. Let me know. Says she's imagining things. The more Fox dismisses her fears, the more Blythe begins to question her own sanity, and the more we begin to question what Blythe is telling us about her life as well. Then their son Sam is born, and with him, Blythe has the blissful connection she'd always imagined with her child. Even Violet seems to love her little brother, but when life as they know it is changed in an instant, the devastating fallout forces Blythe to face the truth. This is called The Push by Ashley Audrain. I would probably read it. I think I would read it too, but I think that I would be really like scarred after reading this because I'm worried that the baby's gonna die and the other yeah. kid kills the kid, mm-hmm. and I'm worried that this little kid is like some kind of weird psychopath, and I'm wondering if there's like some kind of like supernatural twist to it, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kids stuff now makes me like really. Them kids are crazy, yo. Yeah, but like now having my own kid, I'm just like. I don't know how I could relate to a mom who doesn't have that connection with her child. Yeah. I don't know. But I would read it. Read. Read. Okay. It's all just fun and games until somebody loses their heart. Mm. When Meredith Fox. (laughs) Another Fox. (laughs) When Meredith Fox lost her sister, Claire, 18 months ago, she shut everybody out. But this summer, she's determined to join the world again. The annual family vacation to Martha's Vineyard seems like the perfect place to reconnect. Her entire extended family is gathering for a big summer wedding, and although Meredith is dateless after being unexpectedly dumped, she's excited to participate in the traditional Fox family game of Assassin that will take place during the week of wedding festivities. Claire always loved the game, and Meredith is determined to honor her legacy. But when Meredith forms an Assassin alliance with a cute groomsman, (laughs) she finds herself getting distracted. Meredith tries to focus on the game and win it for her sister, but she can't help falling for him. And as the week progresses, she realizes she's not only at risk of losing the game, but also her heart. Okay, wait. <laughs> we all know I was Ben-Nan. hoping for sure somebody would die. <laughs> but Anne is definitely going to pass. I'm 100% going to pass. What is it even called? Uh, the Summer of Broken Rules by K.L. Walther. You should have called it the assassination game. Yeah. I would 100% read this. It it sounds so cute. I love, like, the whole, oh, I'm going I'm going away for the summer, and I'm going to meet a guy. Yeah, that's cool. So, when okay. you read it, just let me know if they get together. Yeah. They'll probably get together. Probably. I was so hopeful, and it started off so good. The hope like was there. Story. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. 16-year-old Decca lives in fear in anticipation of the blood ceremony that will determine whether she will become a member of her village. Probably going to pass on this. <laughs> Already different from everyone else because of her unnatural intuition, Decca prays for red blood so she can finally feel like she belongs. But on the day of the ceremony, her blood runs gold, the color of impurity, and Decca knows she will face a consequence worse than death. Then a mysterious woman comes to her with a choice. Stay in the village and submit to her fate, or leave to fight for the emperor in an army of girls just like her. They are called, I think it's Alakai, near immortals with rare gifts, and they are the only ones who can stop the empire's greatest threat. Knowing the dangers that lie ahead, yet yearning for acceptance, Decca decides to leave the only life she's ever known. But as she journeys to the capital to train for the biggest battle of her life, she will discover that the great walled city holds many surprises. Nothing and no one are quite what they seem to be, not even Decca herself. And this is called The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. I would pass. Sounds too Mulani for me. Hmm. You're not a big fantasy fan, are you? It has to be romance fantasy. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I picked... Like romance I ran, action. So we randomly picked these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not like... Oh, I'm, I know this book. I'm specifically going to choose this book. Mm-hmm. Like, we just randomly picked books, and neither of us know what we were going to read. And I really, like, chose the heroine thing today, oddly enough. I don't know. It's weird. But I, I would read this. Yeah, I figured I'd definitely read would. this. I think I would like it more if it was a male lead, but I would read this for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Ooh, I'm excited about this one. Okay, go ahead. Okay. For years, Valera has worked weary hours as a seamstress just to keep food on the table. She would give her all to protect her little sister from the cruelties of the world and the tantalizing lure of the Fae Forest. One day, she fears, the Fae will spirit her sister away, and how can Valera hope to stop them? Then the Fae come, not for her sister, but for her. Trapped in a magnificent palace far from her own world, Valera finds herself the unwilling bride of an an enig- enigmatic fey lord oh my gosh, he claims he won't harm her and <laughs> vows to return her home after a year and a day if she honors one rule she must never see his face what? determined to return her sister at all costs valera struggles to unravel the mystery of her so-called husband why does he desperately need a wife and why her specifically Torn between love, duty, and the unexpected freedom she finds in this strange new world, Valera must fight to find her place. But will a burgeoning passion for the unseen figure in the shadows be her undoing? Yeah, but what if he's ugly? Yeah. Could be ugly. You never know. I would read this. (sighs) I would read this for you. Yes. I would not read this for myself. Tear. If I saw it by myself, I'd be like, meh. Nah, fam. Meh. Meh. So, I would read it for you. I would not, like I said, read it for myself at all. And that is called The Moonfire Bride. And it's the first book of of the <clears throat> Candlelight and Shadow series by Sylvia Mercedes. Hmm. Interesting. All right. This is a very short description. A floating smell of death hangs over the island. What is it? A strange-legged fish appears on the scene. So begins Tadashi and Kaori's spiral into the horror and stench of the sea. Here's the creepiest masterpiece of horror manga you have ever, forever from the creator of 
Uzumaki. So it says, hold your breath until all is revealed. Something's rotten in Okinawa. I would read it. A hundred percent. It's called, I think it's Gyo. I don't obviously know Japanese. And I'm assuming this is Japanese like an idiot. I'm assuming it's Japanese. So forgive me if I'm rude for saying that. But um, Junji Ito is the... um, writer of this and I picked this up because the only one that I've read of his terrified the crap out of me and you have to read it but it's about these um it's a it's like a short manga it's almost like a short story Mm -hmm. and it's about this new story that covers these this fault line that falls in a mountain and in this fault line are shapes are man-made like carvings like it's set in the mountain, mm-hmm. and that's all I'll tell you. And it is literally ends up being the most horrifying thing I've ever read. Like hmm. it is so creepy and so good, and he is so like mind twisty. It makes you think. So I really, really, really want to read this, like a hundred million percent. Yeah, it sounds it sounds good. And picking it up, I peeked at like all of the like. There, it's not in color or anything, but. Like the imagery and everything like that. And I'm not sure if he's the one who illustrates it as well, but I, he seems to be. And it's very good. So, yeah, we're going to have to get our hands on that and review it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be super good. And he also does another, and I know I'm taking up your time, but it's you would really like this one. But it's, it's another manga that he does about a femme fatale who never dies. Like she, But she lures these men in to love her. And then makes yeah, them crazy, like and like they end up hating her, and she makes hit them murder for her. And then sometimes she herself becomes murdered, but she always comes back. Mm. And it is literally like the creepiest premise, but I think you would really like it. Yeah, I would like that. So read it. We're gonna read it. Yes, I'm reading it. Okay. Set on a family-run interstellar freighter called the Harland and a mysterious remote space station, E.K. Johnson... Okay. I gotta stop reading the little author descriptions. Okay, Samantha. Just ignore that. Beep, beep. Okay, here we go. <laughs> beep, beep. Pent Harland's family sees her as a waste of food on their long-haul space cruiser when her genes reveal an undesirable mutation. But if she plays her cards right, she might have a chance to do much more than survive. During a space station layover, Pent escapes and forms a lucky bond with the Brannock twins, the teenage heirs of the powerful family that owns the station. Against all odds, the trio hatches a long-shot scheme to take over the station and thwart the destinies they never wished for. I don't know. I would probably read it. I think I would pass. What's it called? It's called Aetherbound by E.K. Johnston. Huh. Yeah, I think I would read it just to kind of see what exactly she's talking about, because it's not a big description. Yeah. It doesn't give a lot away, but I I would be interested in that. I I like a good space station story. I like me a good space station story. I love a space station story. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, right. All right. They run this town and everyone in it. Their deals are sordid as their business, and their reputation is enough to bring a grown man to his knees, forcing him to beg for mercy. They are not people you mess with. 
yet my dad did. The old man ran up a debt with them and then sold me to cover his losses. Yes, sold me. They own me now. I'm disappointed. This cover was amazing. <laughs> I'm theirs in every sense of the word. Oh, God. But I've never been meek and compliant. These men, they look at me with longing, their scarred, blood-stained hands holding me tight. They want everything I am, everything I have to give, and won't stop until they get just that. They can own my body, but they will never have my heart. The vipers, I'm going to make them regret the day they took me. The, this girl, she bites too. Sucks. I'd pass. I would say pass. This is called Den of Vipers by K.A. Knight. I picked this because the cover is the dopest thing I've ever seen in my life. Is it beautiful? It is freaking stunning. Oh, that is really pretty. Like, I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, this like... Mortal Kombat, like, yeah. fighting for your life kind of thing. And instead, it's like harem romance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, I would think I'd pass on that one. Really? Why? I don't know. It just, I'm very picky with my storylines. Too many guys? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't read any, I don't know. I, don't know. I would not Man. read that. I would absolutely not read that, and I wouldn't read it for anybody either. <laughs> That's wow. the one I pass on, man. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, double, double, twin spell trouble. Hmm. Hunter and Mercy Good are twin witches, direct descendants of the founder of their town of Goodville. As their ancestors have done before them, it is now time for the twins to learn what it means to be gatekeepers, the protectors of the gates to, to different underworlds, ancient portals between their world and realms where mythology rules and nightmares come to life. When their mother becomes the first victim in a string of murders, the devastated sisters vow to avenge her death. But it will take more than magic to reign in the ancient mythological monsters who have infected their peaceful town. Now Hunter and Mercy must come together and accept their destiny or risk being separated for good. This sounds like Halloween Town. Halloween Town. I would read it. I would not. You would not? I would not. <gasps> Sad day. It's called Spells Trouble by um, Kristen Cast and PC Cast. I would not because I'm not a big fan of witches. Mm. I'm not a big fan of like that in the storyline. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And it's very Halloween Town, and that was not my favorite. See, I like Halloween Town. Everybody does. Yeah. I'm probably going to get crucified for you are gonna get crucified. saying that, but it's fine. Or losing followers as you talk about it. <laughs> Shutting up. All right. <clears throat> in the summer of 1982, five friends discover an ancient stone box hidden deep in the woods. They seal inside of it treasured objects from their childhoods and they make a vow. Never come to the box alone. Never open it after dark. Never take back your sacrifice. Four years later, a series of strange and terrifying events begin to unfold. Mirrors inexplicably shattering, inanimate beings coming to life, Otherworldly crows thirsting for blood. Someone broke the rules of the box, and now everyone has to pay. But how much are they willing to sacrifice? I think I'd read it. Oh, heck yeah, I'd read it. Mm -hmm. This is The Sacrifice Box by Martin Stewart. It's really good. Yep, I would read it. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> when everything you love is in danger, how long can you keep running to survive? Life can be brutal. Winter in Idaho. The sky is dark. It is cold enough to crack bones. Jack knew it. Jack Dahl has nothing left except his younger brother, Maddie, who he'd die for. 
Their mother is gone, and their funds are quickly dwindling. Jack needs to make a choice, lose his brother to foster care, or find the drug money that sent his father to prison. So did I. Ava lives in isolation, a life of silence. For 17 years, her father, a mercy, merciless man, has controlled her fate. He has taught her to love no one. But now Ava wants to break the rules, to let Jack in and open her heart. Then she discovers that Jack and her father are stalking the same money. And suddenly Ava is faced with a terrible choice. Remain silent or speak out and help the brothers survive. I would pass. I would pass too. It was like I couldn't follow this, the plot, what was happening. It's too much of like a gangster love story. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. It's not my deal. What's it called? It's called What Beauty There Is by Corey Anderson. I did not expect that title for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. No thanks. Yep. All right. In the fall of 1918, 13-year-old German immigrant Pia Lange longs to be far from Philadelphia's overcrowded slums and the anti-immigrant sentiment that compelled her father to enlist in the U.S. Army. But as her city celebrates the end of the war, an even more urgent threat arrives, the Spanish flu. Funeral, crepe, and quarantine signs appear on doors as victims drop dead in the streets, and desperate survivors wear white masks to ward off illness. When food runs out in the cramped tenement she calls home, Pia must venture alone into the quarantine city in search of supplies, leaving her baby brothers behind. Bernice Groves has become lost in grief and bitterness since her baby died from the Spanish flu. Watching Pia leave her brothers alone, Bernice makes a shocking, life-altering decision. It becomes her sinister mission to tear families apart when they're at their most vulnerable, planning to transform the city's orphans and immigrant children into what she feels are true Americans. Waking in a makeshift hospital days after collapsing in the street, P is frantic to return home. Instead, she is taken to St. Vincent's Orphan Asylum, the first step in a long and arduous journey. As Bernice plots to keep the truth hidden at any cost in the months and years that follow, Pia must confront her own shame and fear, risking everything to seek justice and love triumph at last. Powerful, harrowing, and ultimately exultant. Oh, that's the author. Why did they add that? Can't read the rest of that. Sorry. What do you think? You probably would pass. Yeah, I think I'd pass. Sounds very historical. Yes, I would 100% read this. This is called The Orphan Collector. A Heroic Novel of Survival During the 1918 Influenza Pandemic by Ellen Marie Wiseman. I will probably actually just be reading this soon because it sounds fantastic. After you read Crave, right? After I read Crave. <laughs> yeah. After I also finish Silka's Journey, which I'm halfway through, which is so good. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Boarding school has never been more dangerous. What if your roommate is a murderer? Or what if he's being framed and only you can save him? Luke Chase made history as a child when he escaped a kidnapping. Now, all he wants to, all he wants is to be a normal teenager. So when he sneaks out to the woods one night to drink with friends and flirt with the new British girl at school, he's excited to feel some freedom. Except the next morning, one of their teachers is found murdered in the exact same spot where they had been partying. Soon, Luke's roommate and his best friend, Oscar, is the number one suspect. As the evidence and list of suspects builds, Luke attempts to use his famous survival skills to find the killer and clear Oscar's name. But as Luke gets closer to the truth, the killer is getting closer to Luke. Dun, dun, dun. Um, I would read it for this podcast. I would read it. Personally, I would pass. Yeah, I'm a... 
it's not like the best. It sounds kind of cheesy, but I would read it. It's yeah. called The Murder Game by Carrie Doyle. Oh, I like the I like the title. The Murder Game. Yep. Okay. And that that was my last book. There okay, this go. is my last um, book. I'm just I'm just trying to Okay. I don't know, I'm just going to read all of this. In 1988, detectives from the Sacramento Police Department were called to investigate the disappearance of a man at his last known address, a boarding house for the elderly, homeless, and mentally ill. The owner, Dorothea Puente, was an adorable old lady who cared for the stray cats and the rest of society's castaways. She had a strong standing in the community and was celebrated for her selfless charitable work. The search revealed nothing untoward but one of the guests recalled some unusual incidents leading to up to the disappearance he shared stories about holes being dug in the garden and filled in overnight guests who were taken ill and vanished overnight in a number of excuses why they couldn't be contacted this was enough to launch a thorough investigation and on 11th the 11th of november 1988 sacramento police department headed back to the boarding house with shovels in hand were they wasting their time pursuing a charming and charitable old lady, or were they closing in on a clandestine killer who exploited the most vulnerable members of society? The investigation gripped the entire nation, and the answers lay buried beneath the boarding house. This is a true story. I would read it. It's called, obviously, Buried Beneath the Boarding House, A Shocking True Story of Deception by Ryan Green. Um, and this says... It's one of the most bizarre true crime stories in American history. I mean, it even gives um, disclaimers that it contains descriptions about abuse and violence. And not sure if you're extremely sensitive, so she mm. was crying. Okay. Yeah, I would read it 100%. Yes, I would probably read this as well. Yes. I do enjoy a good true crime every once in a while. Yes, and you guys should... Send us your top ten picks. Um, yes. Tell us what you think about ours. Tell us if you've read any of ours. Um, or if you're picking any up yes. to read that yes. we passed on or vice versa. Yes. Give yeah. us your suggestions, your comments, your questions. Good. Yep. And you can email us at offthebooks at khcpl.org. And hope you guys have a great day. Yes. Bye.